in November 2019, that date transformed my life drastically. I said enough, and I said it from my deep heart. Enough living a life based on others' opinions. Their decisions and their opinions will never change my destiny. Our destiny is determined by our mind and our attitude. I realized that every one of us has unlimited potential inside. And this unlimited potential becomes available only when we demand it. We are the only ones who determine the quality of our life. Nobody else. That's why I founded Unleash. I interview global CEOs, entrepreneurs, and coaches all over the world to inspire and touch people by their stories and their experience. Because one story changed my life totally. And I believe also one story from our podcast can change yours as well. My mission is unleashing the human greatness to its utmost potential. Stay tuned every Friday with Unleash with Ahmed Khaled's podcast. A new inspiring story that will change the quality of your life. Hey, 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 good morning, good afternoon, good evening to all my LinkedIn family right now. Welcome to episode number 12 from Unleash with Ahmed Khaled. Would you please let me know uh, if you if, please, can you please write where are you from and which city you are tuning in right now? Just to remind you, our mission for Unleash is uplifting the human greatness to its utmost potential. And there were many questions came into my mind about greatness, especially greatness. One of those questions, how leadership is being shaped inside organizations. There are mainly, from my point of view, two C's that can nurture and shape leadership inside the organization. Number one is culture. Number two is communication. And today, today's guest is very specialized in those two C's. He was able to transform many organizations using it. May I ask you to welcome with me our guest today? He is a LinkedIn learning instructor. He's also an international conference speaker. He's the author of Walking the Invisible Gamba, Lean Communication, and Global Lean Books. When it comes to the organizational transformation, then it's his game in terms of communication and culture change. He is Sam Yankalevich. 
Stay tuned this Friday where we will unleash doing things right the first time. Hey, hey, Sam. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Hey. Great to hey, see Ahmed. you today. I'm unleashed. Good, Great good to, have to see you. Thank you so much. It's it's a been pleasure to have in the show today. Thank you so much for being here. So how's everything with you? How's USA and how's life there? It's good. It's good. It's, you know, getting out of this uh, craziness with the pandemic, Ahmed, thank God, and uh, moving into the into a new direction. Hopefully it will hold. But it's uh, it's been quite an interesting 20 months prior, I'm sure for yourself as well. Yes, I see. But very, very optimistic about that. Sam, would you please uh, give us a little bit about yourself? Because I believe many people are interested today to know you more. I know I yeah. know you personally, but I'm, I'm so keen to understand that know your, your great story. Okay. Okay. Thank you, Ahmed, for the opportunity. By the way, I love your show. It's so inspiring. So it's I'm, I'm, I'm glad to be on this. And uh, so, you know, pretty much where, where I was born, I am actually born in Colombia, South America. So I'm Colombian and I live in the U.S. now. But uh, as a young kid, I've, I uh, traveled around the world uh, from the age of six or seven years old um, and got to see the world. So from that perspective, very fortunate to be uh, in front of so many different cultures uh, and different languages that, that I had to be in front of. And as I as I get got into the uh, world of work, uh, it was quite interesting to see how this diversity of you know cultures, languages, the differences of people, how this affects the way that we actually can have an impact on on the way we do our jobs and how we interact with each other, and then ultimately the customer and the organization. So I worked in global operations, Ahmed, for over 30 years, um, mostly, wow. you know, traveling to purchase uh, equipment, machinery, driving operations in, in organizations. Uh, but I always somehow ended up, you know, working with people from, uh, from other countries and other cultures. And uh, about almost about 10 years ago, I decided to leave my job and stop working for others. And uh, I, you know, I, I said, okay, well, here's my dream is really to give back, to teach people, to be able to uh, give back some of the wisdom and knowledge that, uh, that I gained over the years, that I was fortunate to gain over the years. Um, and the, the only problem was, you know, how do you get out there? Because there's so many people doing this, right? And so somebody advised me, said, uh, you know, you better write a book because if you write a book with this, you know, the book at least will give you the face of an expert and you can talk about what's inside and start a conversation with, with customers. And this is what I did. So in 2014, I wrote my first book. Uh, and because my background is in lean manufacturing and, and um, continuous improvement, I also decided to write about continuous improvement of one very important process, which is called communication. Oh. Um, and this is my niche, and this is what I've been working on, you know, for about 10 years now, helping people uh, really get through these these uh, interactions, especially in global situations. And, you know, knock on wood, it's been good. Um, as, a, as an independent consultant, I can't complain. And then, of course, 
I had the great opportunity to um, to participate uh, in LinkedIn as a LinkedIn learning instructor. I have five courses up on the platform now. LinkedIn Learning is an unbelievable organization in itself uh, because these courses are not just me as the expert, but the way that they uh, give access to how to actually put these things together so that the learner can get the full benefit of, of, of the teaching, you know? So this is, you know, pretty much where I am. Um, I do, I do uh, interim management. Um, and so every year I get to do one or two interim management assignments. And this is always interesting because there's just so many different uh, things that you get to do and learn. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's very, very interesting thing because I know it's not easy to, you were saying that you were working in operations management and lean manufacturing. So to take this step out and move into the communication and a cultural change, it's not easy one. And uh, I do remember your book, it's The Invisible Gamba. So yes. I'm so interested just to understand what is the meaning of invisible and gamba yes. and why it's inv invisible. This is one of the things okay. because I asked myself this question and I'm so right, interested. Right. In right, right. And by the way, that's my fourth book. So that, that I'm, and I'm a little bit late with new books that was written in 2018. <laughs> So, so the word. So first of all, the word "gemba" is widely used now in the lean community and continuous improvement. It is a Japanese word that means the place where the action takes place, where the action happens. Uh, you might hear, for example, also um, on the TV in, in Japan or on the radio, the the reporters are reporting from the gemba, from the place <laughs> where things happen. Uh, I'll say this: the traditionally Gemba for for lean continuous improvement people is going to the shop floor, but this is not 100% correct. And the reason is the Gemba, you, if you're in an operating room in surgery, this is the Gemba for the surgeons. If you are in manufacturing, yes, it might be the shop floor, but mm -hmm. I'll tell you what, and I know that you are big in supply chain and I, I call this the big Gemba. So if you, so that is the, the place where the action happens uh, big in the big Gemba is in the supply chain. So why the invisible Gemba is because the way I started work, you know, you, 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 as a leader, you go to the Gemba to see the facts, what is actually happening. You go and visit where the action is happening. It's not enough to sit behind the desk and read the data. You want to go see. And uh, when you go see, you can only see what's physical. You know, Ahmed, that there's a lot of underlying things happening that in, is in the brain and you cannot see inside the brain what is happening. And so I know for a fact that culture is invisible to the naked eye. Mm -hmm. you, could see, you could see the effects, you know, uh, and same thing with communication. So I, I then said, well, then we have an invisible Gemba that we have to learn how to see what's going on in this invisible Base because at the end of the day, also it's action happening, um, right? And so that's why you know that's why I, I called it this. And the, and I guess the interesting part is, you in order for you to solve problems, you have to make them visible. If they are invisible, you 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 have a great difficulty in really grasping what what the problem is in the first place, right? So this is the reason why uh, I, I chose this title and. Uh, you know, and it's uh, it's it gives me an opportunity to teach uh, from from the content in the book. 
I like I love the information because you're saying that we we don't most people that in the operations they just see by neck dies but there are many psychological effects that affect our decisions and our uh, movement every day and we don't know we don't understand what is the effect of the culture and the communication itself one right, of the questions right. also that it, it it's it's very compelling now related to the communication communication i think it's such a very big topic it's not easy topic to to cover it even in in one day or two days even but how you can address communication inside the organization what is the effect of communication and how can we enhance our communication in day-to-day -day, uh, decisions okay okay yeah that's yeah that's that's uh, uh let me can if it's okay i'm going to tie that to the title of the of, of your show today doing things right please, the first time on it yeah please. so uh, look at the end of the day um we if we're so com you said it communications a bit is a very big word it's a very big topic my i i limited sometimes only to being at work and to get things done at work because at the end of the day and i hope that most people that are on the show are somehow related to a process in business or maybe they manage a process or maybe they own a company mm -hmm. and so the first thing that is important to know is that we are here to satisfy a customer. Yes. There's always going to be a customer, either for a service or a, or, or a product. Totally. And in order to satisfy this customer, it's not one person that does everything. It's areas of interactions between several uh, uh, functional areas, departments, whatever you want to call them, or just people. And they, and they have to interact to be able to satisfy this customer right and we often forget that and so in order to, so interaction means aligning it means coordinating it means collaborating and the underlying uh factor of all of these alignment collaboration cooperation is communication uh and without communication how are we going to satisfy the customer uh you know so so this is this is how uh how i relate to to work now we you know this doing things right the first time by the way this is a phrase that um a guy called philip crosby coined back in the 1970s he was a quality guru back then and in his mm -hmm. book quality um is free uh he he mentioned this and the way i see it is before you do anything you have to communicate if you you know to either align or coordinate or whatever if you don't communicate then things might not get out the same way everybody's going to think oh this is what we have to do or that is what we have to do and this is a problem because then things don't get done right the first time <laughs> so i usually i usually add the letter c in front of doing right the first time communicate right so that you mm -hmm. can do things right the first time. Wow! And this this is a very important uh, thing that I that I take I teach and I train uh, the teams because we live in our heads, Ahmed. So you know we live in our heads and we forget that we that we have to communicate. And the problem is that communication is invisible. Exactly. As, as I as I, I said before, you can't see it happening because it's happening in the brain. Yes, uh, and, and I, I can like, explain that a little bit more. Huh? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. most most organization because it's communication, it's intangible. 
and they, they yes. don't know how you cannot measure it uh, based on the decision that I have based something that got broken in, in the way, as you said, that because of functions, we cannot measure all of this. But communication, right. I, I believe inside the organization, organizations, it's underestimated. And most people, right. they look into everything as, as a targets or just achievements, but they don't yeah. reflect what is the real cause. And I believe, as you said, that most, most challenges that we have, it's because of communication. Life, it's all about communication. Everything in life, it's all about communication. Yeah. Coming yeah. back to our uh, audience, uh, we have Mohidol, he's saying, Salam alaikum, alaikum salam, brother. We have uh, uh, Panda, she's saying from India, thank you, Sarika, for uh, joining Hello. today. <laughs> Great to see you. We, are, we have our uh, friend Rami Said uh, from Egypt. Great to see you, brother. We have also our sister Razan Nasser, Saudi Arabia. Great to see you, Razan. We have uh, uh, Suhaila Aoun, Jadda, Saudi Arabia. Great to see you, Suhaila. Our lovely friend Osama, he's saying, Ya Salam, Ya Salam. It's something, you know, uh, it's something shocking, you know, but in a positive way. <laughs> the legend to himself. Great to see you, brother. Uh, we have uh, our friend. Uh, Ahmad Ismail Giza October from Egypt. Great to see you, Ahmad. We have our the, the professor Ahmad Al Hambali. He's from Khobar uh, KSA. Great to see you uh, today. We have also our uh, friend Salah from Saudi Arabia, Riyadh. So, guys, um, just please don't be shy to ask any question to uh, Sam related to communication, related to uh, leadership, related to uh, culture. Please. Uh, uh, Ask the question, and I will try to jump into the question wherever uh, I see any any uh, question from from your end. So I think the first question we have one question now from Ahmad Qasim. He's saying communication is about managing people' expectation. Is it? Isn't it? Okay. So the, uh, actually, I have a way to relate to that. Let's see if I understand the. Ahmed's question uh, properly. So absolutely. So to get things done in in organizations, there is a continual cycle of requesting, giving information, and and um, and providing instructions for people to actually get things done. Correct. And so the problem is, or often the problem is that uh, we fail to do things upfront which means clarify the expectations so that together everybody can understand what the expectations are and then do we are very busy and we are so busy that we just say hey you know this is what i need can you get it done by friday and very often in organizations because the leader or the manager is a little bit intimidating the the per other person is going to say yes i can do it and this is this is the biggest mistake for both on both sides it's a mistake on the side of the person saying yes because they know that they can't do it they also know they probably didn't understand the whole request and it's a mistake from the leadership and the manager to mm -hmm. be not understanding that the other person is saying yes only to please you <laughs> as the boss this is a yeah. problem so if i understand the question from ahmed i hope i'm, I'm responding to your to your question it, if it is about managing people to do things then you want to do the work up front to create the expectations 
so that everybody understands what they are and allow for a negotiation to happen because maybe the other person say yes you know i can do it but maybe not on friday is it okay if i do it for monday afternoon <laughs> and then you start a conversation because then the other person the, the the leader can ask okay explain to me why are you that busy what exactly is it that you are so busy with because maybe they can change some priorities so yes communication is very important in that sense uh and uh in 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 so far as clarifying expectations up front and reaching agreements up front and then letting the other person really do what they need to do to yeah. to, to to do this yeah. so I, I hope that the expectation from Ahmed was uh, was, was was yes yes yeah, so Ahmed if, if you if uh, if you need anything else if you want more clarification please ask on that but I, I believe that everything is clarified now feel free to come back uh, one thing also to add here Sam it's leadership was not a threat because I believe that most, I don't want to say all, but most people in organizations, sometimes they use, they abuse the power, they threat people. And, and uh, if you come to expect expectations, if you want to manage expectations from people and from the business, if you threat people and they feel fear and they feel afraid all the time, you will not be able to reach to wherever you want. I believe leadership, it's all about inspiration, invitation, care, listening, but not just ordering. Sometimes this is your role as, as a leader in your organization, not just to give orders or to threat people or just this is one way communication. It's all about how, how you listen, how you care, how you you uh, moved into the right direction, how you can help people around you, not just I need this to be done. And uh, this is one of the expectations that I, I see it from my side. Come back to the uh, lovely audience. We have uh, Ignore. Good afternoon, Ahmed, tuning in from Toronto. Great to see you. Thank you so much. Uh, we have also Saber uh, from Riyadh KSA. Great to see you, brother. Um, we have uh, our friend uh, Jian. Uh, good afternoon. Great to see you also. We, are, we have our friend for sure, Aya Fekri. I believe you choose the best name, perfectly related, Sam. I think it's it was the beginning and the beginning of uh, the okay. invisible campaign. invisible campaign. Yes. Invisible. Yes. Yeah. Great to see you, Aya. Thank you so much. We have uh, our friend Kim. Hello. Great to see you. We have also uh, Gladys. Hello. Um, Jamal is also joining. Hello, Ahmed. Great to see you. We'll jump into the next question from Rami Said. He's asking: Is it possible to change the company current culture? And if yes, what is the starting point? It's, it's ah, a very interesting nice. question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very interesting question. And very it's a very broad question. So uh, yeah. hi, hi, hello, Rami. Um, actually, for me, you first, I think it's important to understand the purpose, why you want to change the culture. Um, you know, it's important to understand the purpose of, uh, you know, the reasons why you want to change it. And most of the time, the answers to this, because I do a lot of uh, assessments at the beginning to go in and see, they call and they say, oh, we want to change our culture. Well, what? why do you want to change it? You know, what is it? And you end up talking about the business imperative. What is it that they want to achieve? Do they want to grow? Do they want to get more uh, more customers? Do they want to get uh, go global? Uh, do they want to have more innovation? So mm -hmm. it, it, it has to do a lot with that first question is, uh, 
to change, you have to know why you want to change so that you know then what to change to, right? <laughs> Otherwise, if you if you just want to change for what? Just because uh, maybe people are not happy there or there's no engagement. I understand feelings and emotions, okay. But at the end of the day, I said at the beginning, we are there to satisfy an external customer, right? So uh, the, the typical steps to take, I can, I can tell you how, how I work, Rami, and how I've seen other people, but there's, there's different formulas out, out there. So you first have to understand what is the business imperative? Mm. What does the company, what is the purpose? What does they want to do? If they want to grow, if they want to be more innovative, if, you know, what it is. Once you know that, then you want to see what are the behaviors of the all of the stakeholders, including the external stakeholders, suppliers, mm -hmm. customers, distributors, the government, everybody. What are the behaviors that are needed to achieve this goal? Mm -hmm. That's that's your assessment of behaviors. Once you know those behaviors, then you want to understand what your behaviors are today in the company. And then mm -hmm. you have a gap. Then you understand. Then you have a gap between what you where you need to be in behaviors and where you are today. And then you have your communication plan and your action plan to go from where you are today in your behaviors to the behaviors that you need. And this is where it takes. It could take, you know, some time to do. But and uh, people also ask me, what do you mean by behaviors? You know, because it's like is it's not uh, it's not the animal behaviors, but it's the behaviors that you have as uh, participants in processes and procedures, how you interact between the different departments, how you solve your problems together. Do you solve problems together or do you solve problems in silos? Um, how you how your meetings? Are your meetings five hours and then everybody goes out and says, what did we talk about for five hours and no decisions were made? This is what I mean by behaviors. You have to look at your daily work and see where the time goes uh, what is being paid attention to, what is not being, being paid attention to, that's the behaviors. So to summarize, you go in, you, this, you, you have to define what is the purpose? Why do you want to change the culture? Well, because we want to grow. If you want to grow, what are the behaviors that I need in my company for us to be able to grow? Good. Now we understand where we need to be. You, you can dream a little there, okay? And then you go back to reality and say, well, here's where we are today. Then now, what do we need to do to go from the current behaviors to the future behaviors? And it's, a, it's almost a plan, do, check, act process because then you go little by little, you go establish those, and then you have to see how effective it is. Uh, and, uh, and, and that's how you start uh, creating the, the, the change. Uh, for, for Rami, by the way, the most... The two most dangerous words in uh, in an organization and in corporate is culture and change. And when you put those together, it's an atomic bomb because because nobody wants to change, and a lot and a lot of people don't understand culture, so they get afraid. And then so the other thing I recommend: don't talk about culture change. Talk about changing behaviors and the, and the work practices of the organization. Thank you, uh, Sam. One question came into my mind when you uh, talk about this uh, challenge. What if the majority of people, they are resisting this change? I would say that they, they I would say old school or old minded, and this is the majority of the organization. 
what yes. would be the best the best way to deal in that case let's yeah. say i'm assuming that we need to have as you said in the, the business imperatives that our goal to go uh, for in more innovation and based yeah. on the, the capabilities that we have people are just running the work uh, if if the majority of people are like that what will be the best action from the organization to the, to deal with this case yeah i think that that's a very uh, very important <laughs> question ahmed and uh, uh, often very tough to do because like i said you know people are always reacting to change um you know it's it's difficult the change is difficult so i think number one is leadership the leadership mm -hmm. really has to buy into and grasp the purpose of mm -hmm. of this and i would say that to engage everybody you have before you decide where you're going to go you have conversations with everybody in the organization. Mm -hmm. I, I go back to the to, to uh, the Japanese, especially at Toyota. They have a process called nemawashi. Okay, <laughs> nemawashi is really going out there and having conversations from top to bottom, and from all the horizontal, from the supplier until the customer. So mm -hmm. horizontal and, and 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 vertical. Vertical, yes. And and you have by by having those conversations, you understand why people are going to be resisting change and you understand what their needs are and how you can engage them and what you can do to make the change. If you just come in and say, oh, tomorrow we're going to change, everybody's going to do lean manufacturing, and if you don't like it, you could leave. Okay? This is not a way. This is not the way. You want to do this engaging everybody. And so you really have to do the work up front. Then the leadership has the the, the 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 really the the initiating point and then you have you have your leadership team and you have your front front executive management team and they have to then roll it out and and work with their people um to to drive this i'll tell you though in my experience you will have 60 percent people will go and make the change mm. and then the remaining 40 percent you'll have some people that are going to be sitting on the fence waiting <laughs> and then you're going to have some you're going to have some people that are rowing against the current <laughs> yes, you know and exactly. and this is yeah and this is an opportunity where unfortunately those people you need to say thank you and mm. and, and and you know thank you please go find somewhere where you fit you you mm. fit in better uh but this is typically what you know you can't you yeah. can't change everybody and and so you have to know and the and the, it's important to remove those people, Ahmed. Because if not, then you're not walking the talk as a leader. Then yeah. you are tolerating something that should not be tolerated, and then you're sending the wrong message to the rest of your organization that it's yeah. okay to behave the the old way. Yeah. So these are these are all interactive things that. Uh, Thank you, Sam. Thank you for clarification. We have uh, the second question from uh, Gian. What is the most challenging thing in communication? <laughs> Good. <laughs> it's uh, communication. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey Jean. Um, yeah. Yeah. Thank, thank you for the question. So uh, I would say the problem is the, the factor that it's invisible. This is, I think, the biggest problem with communication. By the way, the, if you look, if you look online and you look for a quote from um, a guy called George Bernard Shaw, he was a very famous. Irish playwright and George Bernard Shaw says the biggest problem with communication is the illusion that it has taken place. 
<laughs> and, wow. we, and, yeah. and, and this is, and so because we live in this illusion, John, uh, we then take action thinking that we communicated. And this is when things don't go right the first time. Mm -hmm. This is when we have rework and expensive costs and premium freight and all this other stuff. So it's really the illusion. And so to work around this, you have to make this illusion visible, change the illusion to something that you can actually see and then work around it. And I can, I can tell you, I can give you some ideas of what, what to do once you make it visible. But this is the most challenging thing is that you cannot see it. Uh, it's, it's all about self-awareness as well, because yes. if, if, yes. if, you, if you don't know yourself, how you will be able to communicate with people. Because as you said, you will live in your illusion. Yes, I yes. communicated, but the, the, is, was it effective or no? This is the question yeah, that so, we have to ask ourselves. Yeah, and, and so rem remember this, Ahmed. So in our, in our world of operations, we have something called quality. Yes? yes. Every, yes. Everywhere I go, everywhere I go, they teach something that they say, quality is everybody's responsibility. I don't know if you've heard yeah. this, but yes. Yes. They teach, uh, uh, the first thing, they, when they train you, they say quality is everyone's responsibility. So here's the challenge. Why don't we say communication is everyone's <laughs> responsibility? Yes. Here is yeah. the game. But, but again, it's all about how we are communicating effect effectively because once... If, if what we communicate, it doesn't happen, are we self-aware that it, it was related to our, our mistakes or we'll start blaming others? This, this yeah. requires a real self-awareness. Sometimes yeah. our ego takes us into a closed corner. No, it's not our mistakes. It's the other mistakes. Yeah. It's the easiest way yeah. to take it. That, that's why. The second, the, the next question from our doctor, uh, Ahmad Al-Hambali. He's asking, is there a way to standardize the communication process? to avoid mistake in implementation. Uh, hello, Ahmad. Thank you for that question. So funny that you ask. So I am in the middle of writing uh, a book and writing another online course. Um, I, and I can tell you, yes, this is a very important question about standardizing. What I can say is that every team has to standardize their own process. To, so that they, when they participate in standardizing their own process, then they will also follow their process. If you try to impose a communication process, then people are going to resist and not want to follow it. But let me share with you the most basic, basic map of a process that you can use to think of uh, to, as a starting point for standardizing a communication process. It be, so, and I, and I will go back to the fact that we're talking about communication for action. So mm -hmm. in communication for action, you're always going to have somebody either making a request, giving an instruction, or maybe some information for something to get done. I call this person the supplier because this is a supplier <laughs> of information or, or the request. Yes, yeah. This person is making, then in, is making a bubble. This is your message, okay? Uh -huh. This uh -huh. is the message of the supplier. And then this bubble, inside this bubble, is a meaning. Is the yeah. intended meaning of the supplier. Okay, this bubble now goes to another person. This other mm -hmm. person is the customer. Why I call them the customer is yes. because it's the customer of the information of the request of the person that is going to do something. Mm -hmm. Now, that person is a human being, and we have a problem as human beings. It's the condition called 
always interpreting. <laughs> We're always interpreting. Our yes. brains cannot stop interpreting. Okay. Mm -hmm. Thank, thank, thank God. We're always interpreting because it's made for our protection. Yes. Yes. So, so now you have two bubbles, one with meaning A from the supplier, and now one, one, one with meaning B from the customer. customer. Now, this meaning A might be equal to meaning B, but often the interpreted meaning is different. What is what we are interested in is the intersection mm -hmm. in the middle between the two bubbles. And then okay. is it is it green is because A equals B. If it's red, then the meaning of the supplier is not the same meaning as the customer. And if they stop there, then they will not be doing things right the first time. The action yeah. will not come wow. out. So wow. this is the beginning of, of the process. This is the most high-level process. And from there, you can break it down into many more steps that happen between the brain and the doing. And uh, and then, by the way, in one of my courses in LinkedIn Learning, it's spelled out as a supplier-customer. And notice that I choose supplier and customer and not uh, transmitter and the receiver. receiver yeah. these are Those are machines. But yes. suppliers and customers are humans, Human. and we all yeah. we all understand that. And uh, and between humans, we're not perfect. So this is this is something. So so I I, I hope I hope I addressed uh, Ahmed's uh, question a little bit. I love the metaphor because it's easy to be understood. Because sometimes I love that, that what you say about the bubbles. Because the bubble maybe it will be transmitted to another level. It will not be the same bubble. So and we we as you said that uh, me as a supplier. I think that I convey it rightly, and me as a customer, I think that I receive it rightly, and then yes. the confusion comes after all of that. Yes, I love the yes. metaphor. Uh, yeah. I love it. Yeah. So we have uh, the next question from Hamad. He's asking: Is there communication constraint in the organization? Oh, absolutely. Yes, I think. Hi, hello, Mohammed. Um, thank you for the question. So. Absolutely. I think there's many communication constraints. Um, uh, and it starts again with the, with the human mindset. I mean, I think the biggest constraint or one of the biggest constraints a lot of people talk about is the organizational silos. And I, I think that, uh, you know, and people talk about breaking down the silos. I don't believe in breaking down the silos because silos have a, have a very specific reason for specializing in what they know how to do. Instead, talk about reconnecting the silos. And so we do have we do have constraints between that connections between the silos. I think a lot of it has to do with language and culture. And so and both together because many, you know, for example, finance and human resources, they speak completely different languages. <laughs> and and when you're talking about a problem, Human resources is seeing it from their perspective. And their perspective is their perspective because that's how they're seeing the world, you know. And the finance people are seeing things from the way they understand finance and their goals and objectives. And then you try to have these people talk to each other. And often the goals don't match. And to make it worse than the language they speak doesn't, doesn't match. And this is where you have a communication constraint. And so you you so the how to fix this is really to use the day-to-day -day work when you are solving problems and when you're doing your lessons learned, 
you have to work in cross-functional teams and you have to have a facilitator. It's better to have a facilitator to make sure that everybody is showing the reasons why they see things the way they see it, because it's important to understand why they're seeing it. And then you have a way to understand why HR is thinking this way. And it's not because they're stupid or they are bad people. It's yeah. just that this is, this is the way human resources thinks. And the same thing will happen with HR and the finance. At the end of the day, everybody's a colleague with unique points of view, and we all have different points of view. And this is this is the, the, the so the I think the constraint of communication happens because of those distances, those separations, is where the problem uh, happens in communication. But it is it can be fixed, and I have fixed many of these, so it, it is fixable. Yeah, I like I like what you say. It's don't break the silos, but reconnect the silos. Because yes. silos, it's it's not something bad. I believe silo, it's it's all about the capacity. When you increase the silo capacity, it, it's not bad, something bad. But reconnecting the silos to have the maximum capacity, it's the, the yes. right way. I love the metaphor. Yes. I love it, really. Yeah. Yeah. The second, we have the, the next question from Aya. She's asking, what is the best way can leaders use co to communicate with the, the team considering transparency versus conf uh, confidentiality? Very yes. good, very good. Yeah, that, that, uh, hello, Aya. You have probably asked the most complicated and tough question for me. <laughs> so, but, um, so, so let's talk about, uh, first about leaders communicating. So as, as I think leaders, sometimes we see leaders sitting behind the desk far away from the action. I, I think it's, it's, it's incredibly important to make sure that leaders today go and visit the Gemba, go and visit the place where the work is happening. You have to go and speak to the people and listen to the people to understand where they are, what they need help in, how you can support them to make life easier for them so that they can do a better job. So, so this is where communication happens as far as, and then, um as a, as a, i understand the question as a leader so you want to show a certain level of transparency and in your in the words and how you present things you don't have to give away secrets mm -hmm. that only management and leadership should be uh should be aware of uh but the transparency with transparency you're able to explain in general terms why things are important why things need to be done um, you know why this, why that, without giving away confidentiality, and I think this is a, this is an art of a good leader. Mm. And if you're if you if you can't do both, then you need to go and get some training, some coaching, to understand how to balance the two. Because you're very right. This is a good question. I it's a it's a great question, and it's very important to to balance the two. But in general, go out, go to the Gemba, speak to the people, and um, and ask questions and listen to the answers of those questions from the people. And then you know what what's going on. And then you can actually be uh, yeah. more transparent and, um, and, 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 uh, and then keep the confidentiality. You don't have to give the show away. I believe also uh, transparency versus something is very confidential. I believe in the organization itself, why there is there is uh, something confid confidential i believe in 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 the beginning of recruiting people are, you you should trust your people 
unless if there is something I would say will devastate or will create a big rumors or will create a big challenge for the, the, the organization. But if it's something yeah. related to the information, you're in the same company. So the culture itself should be like that. Unless again, if it's something will devastate the company, something that uh, you have something very confidential, uh, let's say company will be uh, merged, something that will create a big noise on that. I can understand that, but confidential things related to the products or the services or the contracts itself, I, I believe we are, we are in the same company. This is my, yes. my personal philosophy for sure. It's not, I'm not saying it's right or it's, it's wrong, but I believe if the, we have this kind of culture inside the organization where credibility and the clarity is everywhere, here is where the, 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 the company will soar up and up and up. This is my, my point of view. Absolutely. So, yeah, we'll move into the next question. Gian, he is asking, what would you define a company culture? Ah, okay, good, good. So I have a, I have a personal favorite about that, uh, of, of how I define it. But before I give you that definition, let me share with you my experience of how company culture uh, forms and um and and what's important for you for for you and the audience perhaps to uh, to understand so as i mentioned at the beginning if you if you uh, were there jean at the beginning i'm colombian okay as a young kid until the age of seven i was taught what is right and what is wrong i was taught this is you know you don't treat women like this you treat men like that this is that you know everything was this is right this is wrong you your parents teach you this and then you go to school and the teachers will teach you this. And then you have this formation until about the age of eight or nine, maybe perhaps 10, you're being culturally programmed by society. Then you go to college, you go to school, blah, blah, blah. And then you end up at work. And so you have a Colombian, you have a guy from Egypt, you have a guy from in the United States, you have a guy from Germany, you have a guy from Mexico. And everybody says, my way is the right way. My way is the only way my way is the best way okay <laughs> this is how so this is how uh national culture meets corporate culture and then what do you do which is the right culture what are the right values to to you know and so so this is how this is how we live today because at the end of the day wherever you talk about globalization there's always going to be yeah. um a leading the leading culture if it's a if it's a german company i worked a lot for german companies if it's a german company then the leading culture the leading values will be the german way for the most part <laughs> if it's an american you'll and, and you'll see the influence of the national culture inside the corporate culture so i would say that that, that you have to keep that in mind to understand mm -hmm. Uh, the, the the different uh, forces in uh, in culture. Now, how I define culture is a collection of behaviors that have formed over time, okay? And the behaviors have formed based on the way that leadership uh, tolerates activities, uh, rewards activities, and punishes activities. So, if you if you tolerate certain things, then Everybody else is seeing what you tolerate, and they will behave accordingly because they see that you could you tolerate, for example, uh, you know, this is not a good example, but for example, people are stealing. Mm -hmm. Okay, then okay, if that guy is stealing, then we can steal too, right? 
And this is the this is if you tolerate one thing, then you have to tolerate for everybody. Then what do you what do you reward or what do you encourage and what do you discourage? And this is how the real culture uh, is 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 working. It's not the values that are up on the wall. What is up on the wall, it says respect, trust, uh, honesty, whatever. But you know that often what's up on the wall is not the real, the real culture. The real culture is formed based on what the what the leadership tolerates, what is rewarded, and what is punished. And then people behave, and because everybody wants to fit in, everybody wants to belong, and they see this is what I'm going to get punished for, so I don't do it. But I will be I will be rewarded if I do that, and then they they will do more of that. So it's a it's a tricky balancing act to establish this uh and this is this is how i define the the, the the corporate culture is the those behaviors that are tolerated uh rewarded and punished over time so i hope Thank that helps you. it's uh, brilliant so uh I think it's not question, but uh, it's interesting. Jamal is saying that some companies try to show that they have great culture, that they care about uh, well-being, and they communicate about the, uh, that externally. But internally, the well-being is not equally applied between all departments and also between mother company. Let me I will check because it's it's going from here and uh, is being not equally applied between departments and also a mother company. and. Um, in case of multinational uh, uh, multinational companies, for example, this point causes a lot of frustration and tension. By the way, by the way, BTW the teams between the team, I would say, it's between the yeah. team. Yeah, right, right. It's it, it, it's a yeah, good I, one. Yeah, I agree. I've seen that before. I, I don't know if it's a question. It sounds more like a statement. I agree with it. I see it a lot. Yeah. yeah. So because, who, uh, who asked the, who asked the question? Jamal. Hey Jamal, I have a suggestion for you. Uh, write a book and start teaching, and go go away from this company because uh, you, you you have a passion. You know, you have a passion. Go and do something different and enjoy life, buddy. <laughs> yes, I believe also about promoting the culture because, as you said, that uh, uh, it it differentiates between organizations who walk the talk or talk the talk. That yes. uh, from outside we are something impressive, but from inside, every know everybody knows what's happening inside. It's about the yes. culture. It's all about leadership. Yeah. So yeah, we absolutely. move into the next uh, question. Uh, Mohidol is asking how to improve organizational communications. How is how is it uh, is organizational climate created? Yeah, it's well. There's two questions, and I think the second question is. More related to culture, and I think I've answered most of of that. Yeah. Uh, but uh, to improve organizational communication, um, uh, it, it's it's really bring I'll, I'll, uh, bringing it up to the surface as an issue. So let me explain. For example, and this is a very very um, um, simple biased explanation that I have because I worked a lot in the automotive industry, and um, and this is one way that we were able to uh, improve organizational communication by bringing it to the surface. When we are doing the root cause analysis, solving problems, mostly we use this fishbone diagram and we put 
you know these bones and we say these are the these are the factors that are affecting i have i have not seen a lot of companies put one bone that is called communication <laughs> so my suggestion my suggestion is to improve yeah you make it visible and then you ask the question is there anything specific about communication that might have caused this problem that mm -hmm. or that might have contributed to this problem and in doing mm -hmm. this yes then you bring it to the surface and you're always asking because i can tell you in 90 percent of the cases of when you were doing root cause analysis even in the supply chain especially in the supply chain the word the the the, the factor of communication has a lot to do with the reasons why things don't get done right the first time and so by putting it in on putting it inside your your uh, root cause analysis then this is a this is a, is going to help uh, improve how can you improve if you can't see it and how can you improve if you can't measure right so first you have to see it then you can start measuring and say oh you know last month we had 50 incidents and of those 50 45 had to do with communication oh now you have a measurement so how what do you want to improve you want to have zero incidents related to communication what can we do uh then start meeting with people and make it make people aware you said it before it was lack of awareness self-awareness make people aware are you really communicating with others or are you just sending messages because if you're just sending messages there's only one part of communication it's not the complete process yeah yes so i hope that helps thank you sam we'll move uh, into the next question now it's 50 minutes i don't as as usual i'm saying that time is flying i couldn't feel the time i'll move into the next question uh, our friend taibaji is asking communication gaps create miscommunication between teams it is just i think it's something like statement or question yeah yeah but uh, i see a question mark so taibaji tai tai our friend taibaji taibaji thank you for the question yeah obviously it creates yeah, communication gaps create miscommunication. That's by definition. I think miscommunication is a communication gap. I think the most important thing there is what happens after. Because if the two teams are not communicating and they're going to each do uh, something different, they will put their energy and spend a lot of time working and then things are not going to be aligned and coordinated. So I think it's really more of the what happens when the get when there is miscommunication is uh, is is that's where the real problem is yeah so this is kind of like the before the first the first step is miscommunication and then you do things wrong the first time yeah thank you sam we'll have we have mostly more three questions and okay. uh, then we can go okay so our next question from our friend osama he's asking what should be done when your line manager uh, with poor uh, culture, <laughs> it's, it's very interesting question. It's an interesting one, yeah. Yeah, Especially yeah. This is a this. Yeah, I, I look. I can't give you. Um, I don't think I could give a. Uh, I can give a general answer, but uh, every situation is very unique and specific, and it has to do also with the national culture and what's accepted and tolerated in uh, mm -hmm. in a company. So, for example, what should be done if you're line manager with poor culture? So, for example, here in the United States, and not not everywhere in the United States, but let's say in general, in the United States, uh, you will see that 
uh, people won't tolerate it and they will speak back at the at the supervisor okay the people will talk back and it's not in disrespect it's just because everybody feels they have a right to to uh, state their mind to, to state what they have right but uh, I, I, in other countries it's not the same people fear because there's this hierarchical type of mm -hmm. culture because it also comes from the national type of culture where the boss is the boss and the other people uh, are followers and have less less value uh, mm -hmm. in a company and so it really depends where you know what it is in in, in that situation is a lot more difficult for the person to reflect back to the boss and say you're the person that is actually creating uh bad results here you know and you know you you can't really say it because you're mostly going to be in fear you know so i don't recommend that i'm just saying it's not an easy it's not an easy uh question to ask and back to what you've said Ahmed. i think leadership has a lot to do with this leadership cannot tolerate this if leadership tolerates this they're sending the message that it's okay. If leadership says, I will not tolerate line managers to affect, affect the production because of their poor culture, then the leader has to develop the line managers. Manager, yes. They yes. have to develop them. They have to train them to change the way that they work with others. Exactly. And yeah. also, it's about, about the culture inside the company. If they promote uh, these kind of things that to be even, I would say, anonymous uh surveys about their managers multi-source feedback about specific people uh, about them yeah. not not necessarily to mention the names but uh, i think it's all about also the culture inside the company not on, only yeah. about the manager inside the company how they promote it so my my yeah. advice if, if it's that the company has a good culture that they they have to understand uh, who is doing what that if i have a bad feedback about a manager who is uh, trying to abuse his power with his colleagues or wh whoever reporting to him at this moment uh, this kind of uh, so, uh, feedback will be allocated and the leadership will take an action with it i'm not saying just to to lay him off but he will understand that there is some control and people yeah. they, they they understand this this is yeah. uh, one of the thoughts yeah. so i'll move into the next we have two more questions okay. so have mahmoud our friend Mahmoud, he is asking, thanks, Ahmed, the great session. This is the most important subject nowadays. How EQ impacts companies' culture and communications? Is there is a way to reduce email traffic in co companies? <laughs> email, yes. This is one of the, the, the I think it's, it's, it's very traffic nowadays after the pandemic. Yeah. People are, right, are right. suffering from that. Yeah, I, I think for the EQ question, I think it's uh, you, you've answered that already, Ahmed, because you talk about self-awareness and I think EQ really starts with self-awareness. Um, so knowing that we live in our heads, uh, we should get out of our heads and ask the other person and listen to the other person and, and work with more empathy. Uh, this, what, this is what uh, from the EQ uh, perspective is what i think is is important for people to understand that that uh you know to 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 impact culture and communication and then is there is there a way to reduce email traffic in companies um i'll tell you what i think um i would be i would be more inclined to ask how can we improve the way we communicate through emails because you know what what sometimes sometimes uh, mahmoud i think that uh, the problem is that 
we are sending emails and we're trying to get something done. And instead of sending it to one person that is responsible, we send it to everybody. We say we send it to 16 people and we hope that something good comes back. Right. Uh, or, or we send an email that is so long, people will not read it. And then a thousand emails will go back and forth to clarify. Instead, maybe you send one, one subject and, 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 and pick up the phone and make a phone call to the person and say, hey, I just wanted to know about this and that. I can tell you in three minutes you solve the problem and you know so it's so the email itself is not just the emails but pick up the phone and also make a phone call to the person yes, uh, yes. so there's yeah there's there's many ways here's what i recommend Mahmoud. get with get with your teams and uh and do a little kaizen event go do a little uh, uh, <laughs> continuous improvement event and say how can we reduce emails in in our company and uh i will i can assure you in, in 30 minutes, you're going to have 150 uh, opportunities and just do three, choose three and do them. And you'll be a happy, you'll be a happy guy. Mahmoud. Yes. One of the things also that I've done in that point, because I know the traffic after a pandemic, everyone is trying to communicate over the email, but I believe it's about reflection. So ask yourself if you see like 80% from our emails, it's we are CC, CC. And yeah. some of those emails, even we don't open it. It's even not even yeah. for just just for your info or for anything. Right. I don't use it. So these kind of emails, I I will ask my people or another and whoever is uh, put me on the CC. I will ask him to remove it because I don't do anything with that. It's an NVE as we have it in in WCM or TPM NVE non-value adding activities. I should remove yes. it. So I I I I guarantee you that eighty percent from your email traffics that consuming NVA, just reading all of this thing and feel that you are overwhelmed, you will remove it uh, one, one, one time. This Absolutely. is this is my advice. So we, we jump into the last question. Our friend Muataz Yasin, he's asking, hi, Ahmed, just a question. Without communication, no plan will work. Is it required to do the planning based on the levels of the staff or just one plan put, uh, but different ways of communication? Which one would be better? Um, the question is a little confusing. I'm going to read it again and see. Is okay. it required to do planning based on the levels of the staff? Ah, yes, yes. Yeah, uh, it, that's, a, that's a good question. Uh, is it Mutaz? Mutaz, yes, Mutaz. So, Mutaz, yeah, so... Yes, I think it's important. I think I, I think I, I'm reading the question is not only the levels, but who you are speaking with. So sometimes the plan is not only internal with your staff. You also have suppliers that you have to speak with. So you will obviously you, you'll have to use language uh, that makes sense to the level and to the people that you're speaking with, uh, you know. Uh, and this is, by the way, a big problem in supply chain because we live inside the organization. We have our own terms and our own lingo and our own acronyms. This thing with the acronyms is really dangerous, okay? Because we have these acronyms CTA, PCO, SP, <laughs> S -S -S SNOP, and in every, in every level, it is not understood the same way. So you you really have to realize that when you're communicating with somebody you have to bring it to uh and craft your message so that the other with the intention that the other person understands it 
if you want to just say the ETA is 500 hours of ZBD for 25 CO2, <laughs> you want to confuse them, then yeah. you're going to get a lot of, your plan is not going to work. So the message is be clear with every level, be clear with ever, every stakeholder that is going to impact your plan. If you want to be successful with your plan, yes, you, you want to, you want to communicate at the, at, in the terms that they will understand. Yeah. Thank you, Sam. Sam, I told you that it will be the last question, but, uh, Excuse me, because I see Karim Elkomi is asking another question. He's saying, come on, Ahmed, please answer my question. And Sophia Fikri was asking the same. Uh, it's a great question. So can we take this as a, the last one, please? Okay. So Karim Elkomi, our friend, he's asking, how do we combine between doing things right the first time and the power of trial and error? Ah, I, I love it. Yes, it's nice. Nice, <laughs> nice question, Karim. Uh, thank you for the question. Let me. Uh, so, doing things right the first time is an intention. Obviously, you are going to not always have success, and mm. and this is and so it, it builds into trial and error. So, I think what you have to do is you have to do your post, uh, you know, post action review. Call it mm. lessons learned, or you know, or something like this. Which, by the way, is, is my latest course on LinkedIn Learning is uh, is uh, lessons learned, how to run lessons learned, and how embed how to embed those in your organization. And this is very valuable because trial and error is always the learning experience. And every time you learn, then you make better decisions going forward. Yes, and then you can put those new that new knowledge from trial and error to change things up front in your communication and then get things done right the first time yeah. more often, more consistently, yeah. you know? But that, that's a very good point, Karim, because you you can never guarantee that things are gonna turn out uh, 100%. And you always have reality. You know, you can plan, 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 but reality wins every time. Yes, you know? it's totally so, Yeah, so trial and error is very important and it's very important also from the leadership uh, from a leadership stance to understand that you are doing trial and error and not, uh, and not say, oh, fa you failed and uh, failure is bad. No, these are experiments. And this is where you learn and the organizational learning happens uh, in, in, you know, for the whole organization. So great, great, great point, Karim. Thank you, Sam. This uh, question, the last question that I will ask you personally. So uh, I believe that it's amazing value today. I literally learned a lot and uh, absorbed a lot of values from the questions that people ask and the, the, the great answers that you give it to us. So in case, if anybody wants to reach out to you, so uh, in terms of, I would say, your books on in terms of your LinkedIn courses or in terms of all yeah. of the, the amazing services that you have, what will be the best way to communicate with you? I think I think LinkedIn is really the platform where most people can find me easy. You just look for my name, ask to connect. I will gladly connect. Um, you can then search for my courses. My books are up on Amazon, so it's pretty easy. And uh, the, the you know on the, the the interesting thing with uh, LinkedIn Learning courses is you can always ask questions there, and a lot of the things I I discussed today, there's deeper answers in those courses. 
and there's a question and answer in the courses and it might take me a couple of days but i i try to always uh reply mm -hmm. to my to my students and uh and interact and sometimes establish conversations like you and i have for example you know yeah. uh from from this but that's pretty the, the 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 best way and just as a as a plug uh i do have one uh course that is up on udemy and it is very specific to making and keeping commitments and delegation so it's called effective mm -hmm. delegation by making and keeping commitments and mm -hmm. this is all about this process of making expectations clear up front uh so that people uh really have a better chance of getting things done uh the first time thank you sam so much for your valuable time it's a pleasure really knowing you and uh, that i would like really to thank you for the amazing work that you're doing it on linkedin the great courses i got to know you from the, the courses on linkedin and uh, the amount of positive energy and humility and being humble talking to everyone really it's contagious so really i would like to thank you for your amazing time it's a pleasure and also i would like to thank all the people that they they engage with us today and please i'm asking everyone on on uh, in the show today please don't hesitate to come and ask uh, sam any question i'm telling you he's very humble very knowledgeable and with a great value so please don't hesitate to come back to sam thank you Ahmed, sam. thank you very much thank you very much for having me on the show and uh, i think I, I learned a lot of the values from you by the way so thank you <laughs> lovely but you have a you have a great show a great thank show you. very inspiring thank you so much and have a great day I'm, I'm sure that we will meet another another one i think as we spoke about how to write a book we will we'll do it I, i'll do that day. for sure for sure we will We're glad to do, do that Inshallah. thank sure. you thank you guys thank you sam bye bye thank you everybody but take care bye -bye.